Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. Just because you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and serving God does not mean that all of life is going to be pleasant. In fact, when you're really right with the Lord and moving forward for the Lord and being used to the Lord, it makes you a target for the enemy. It brings you into spiritual warfare. And frankly, just the fact that we are human beings living in fallen bodies on a fallen planet surrounded by other fallen people means we're going to have difficulty to deal with. Christians are not immune to trouble. When you come to Acts chapter number 21, we find Paul and his missionary team enjoying a wonderful visit with Philip the Evangelist and his four daughters in a beautiful place, Caesarea by the sea. Those must have been wonderful days. And right in the middle of that setting, right in the middle of that that season of reprieve, it would seem, bad news arrives. Acts chapter number 21 and verse number 10 says, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So here's a man in a safe place, surrounded by friends, uh, loved by so many, and yet the message comes that if he proceeds on his journey to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested there. Now, full disclosure, the apostle already knew this because already the Lord had revealed to him there was persecution awaiting him. Others had already testified of this, but this is just another confirmation. Agabus is not giving the wrong message just because it's a difficult message to deliver. It's not untruthful. He is the Lord's messenger to the Lord's messenger. And by the way, sometimes preachers need a message. Sometimes the Lord's servants need to hear a word from another servant of the Lord. That's exactly what's going on here. And yet it is the response that I want you to see. It is the the reaction to this message that I think is so very important. The immediate response, of course, is very natural. Don't go. Don't leave us. Stay here. That's what all of us would have said. And that's what flesh would want. But that was not the will and plan of God. The Bible says in verse number 13, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep? And to break mine heart. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. I think that may be one of the grandest statements in all of Scripture. You should mark it in your Bible and in your heart. Acts chapter 21, verse number 14, The will of the Lord be done. 
When you're dealing with difficulty, say, the will of the Lord be done. When you're thinking about the future, say, the will of the Lord be done. When you're working through problems with other people, say, the will of the Lord be done. Not not what I want, not what somebody else wants. No, no, the will of the Lord be done. I love this. Paul said, I'm not in your hands. I'm not in my own hands. And I'm not in the hands of the enemy. I am in the hands of Almighty God. And whatever the Lord chooses, it will be right. Now, that doesn't mean there's not human emotion and feelings involved. For example, in verse number 13, Paul said, uh, Look, you're, you're making me to weep now. Uh, your response is breaking my heart. Paul was a man. Paul was a, a normal human being with emotion, uh, with desires, with fears. Sometimes we place these people on such a pedestal and we forget uh, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Paul was dealing with the, the flesh and battling with his own desires. But in the end, the response of a spiritual man is this, I just want whatever God wants, in the words of Scripture, the will of the Lord be done. Let's make two observations and applications today. The first is this, the will of the Lord be done should be our attitude towards our own life. Remember, Paul was not speaking for someone else. You can't speak for someone else. You can only speak for yourself. Paul was saying of himself, I am ready to do whatever God wants me to do. I love this word, ready, in Acts 21, verse 13. Uh, It's reminiscent of what he wrote to the church at Rome when he said uh, that he was ready to preach the gospel. So ready to go, ready to stay. Uh, Ready to preach, ready to stand, ready to suffer. Uh, Ready to abound, ready to be abased. Uh, Paul lived on ready. I want to live on ready, don't you? I want today to be ready for whatever God has for me, ready to receive what he wants to give, uh, ready to respond to him the way I should respond, ready to serve in whatever way he deems best. Uh, Let's make that our prayer today. Lord, we just want to be ready for your will. The problem is never in the will of God. The problem is in us being ready. Paul said, I'm ready not to be bound only. You see, they knew he was going to be arrested, but he said, I'm not just ready for that. I'm also ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, when a man has already died, he doesn't fear death. When a man is dead to self, when a man has already crossed the great divide in his heart and mind and is wholly given to the Lord, when the motto of his life is the will of the Lord be done, then he doesn't have to fear the future. This is where Paul's journey with Jesus started on the road to Damascus. Do you remember? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And all these years later, still living by that same motto. That's why he could write to the church at Rome in Romans chapter number 14 and say in verse number 8, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. It's how he could write uh, to the church in Philippi and say in Philippians chapter number 1 that he could live, and that was Christ, or he could die, and that was gain. (laughs) You see, he was viewing all of life and death through this prism, the will of the Lord be done. And then a second observation and application is not only should this be uh, the way we look at our own life, but this should also be the way we look at what God is doing in the lives of other people. Because these people that loved him and tried to persuade him finally stopped. Stopped trying to have their way and convince him. The Bible says we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. 
Sometimes you look at the lives of those you love and you want so badly to fix things, to figure things out, to change the situation. But remember this, there is someone that loves them more than you do, and that is God. And at some point, there must be a statement of surrender, a sweet submission to the will of God that simply says, whatever God wants, that's what we want. So we make our plans and we make our prayers. We give our counsel. uh, We give our advice. But in the end, we must always conclude with this statement. It's more than words. It's a way of life. The will of the Lord be done. Today, with the Holy Spirit's help, try to apply this truth to your life and to your dealings with other people. View yourself and whatever it is you're dealing with, your difficulty today, and the struggle someone else is going through, through the lens of the perfect will of God. Because, my friends, it is always right and it is always for God's glory. The will of the Lord be done. Though no more scripture is being written, the story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment. And we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before He ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why Enjoying the Journey exists, to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel, whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website. Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.